Good Friday to you, peeps. See what I did there? Peeps as in the Easter candy peeps and peeps as in the people, because it's a play on how the two words can have, or the word can have two different, you get it, <clears throat> you get it. Uh, welcome to Token Minority Report on Unsafe Space. I am your minority, Beverly. Today is Friday, April 15th, 2022, which would normally be tax day, but I think because it's also Good Friday, tax day is now on Monday the 18th, and we all love taxes, so get her done. Housekeeping. We have book club that is on Sunday, May 1st at 12 p.m. Eastern, hosted by our guest today, Thomas St. Thomas, and the book is Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. On Monday, we have a live narrative dissonance with Carter at 2 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday, we'll have another Rebel Civics with Keith Bassett premiering at 12 p.m. Eastern, and then a live Dangerous Thoughts at 8 o'clock that night again with Carter. So let's introduce today's guest, Thomas St. Thomas. He is a contributing writer to our Unsafe Space Substack, where he writes fabulous articles. Originally born in L.A., current Pennsylvania resident Thomas has spent time working in the restaurant industry, did some acting in Nashville and L.A., was in the U.S. Navy, currently works in healthcare, and is apparently obsessed with gardening. And I am excited to talk to him about all of these things and more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Thomas. Hey, Beverly. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm not used to your um, intro voice. It was so incredibly <laughs> professional. I was like, oh, thank you. This person? <laughs> Got to put on a podcast voice here and talk more Fantastic. Uh, performative. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, real quick before we like actually get into anything, one thing after knowing you for a while now, I've never asked you, what do you prefer to be called? Thomas, Tom, Tommy? Like I always just think I always do Thomas, but I've never asked you. Right. Uh, I come across this question a lot, especially at work because work emails always have your, for your first name and then your last name. And then my badge for work has my first name on it. But my first name is actually Jeremiah. My right, right. Name, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my middle name is Thomas. So people always say, well, am I supposed to say Jeremiah or Thomas? And what's the deal? So my grandfather was Big Tommy and I was Little Tommy. So um, even in addition to that, my my birth name was something different. So when I got to choose my name as a little kid, um, I chose Jeremiah. And then I got Thomas for my middle name because everybody already called me Little Tommy. So they, so you, they let you choose your name? Yeah, kind of like choosing my gender, but okay, but huh, okay. <laughs> no, it, it, yes, and no, it wasn't just like, oh, we're gonna let him choose his name, but mm -hmm. I was named after my father, Gordon Ivor, and his brother, Harold Ivan St. Thomas. So it was Gordon Ivor, Harold Ivan St. Thomas. But my mom, wow. after my dad threw a TV at her, decided to leave and didn't like me having his name. So when we Fair. had the opportunity to change it, um, we changed it. Well, why Jeremiah though? Um, I spent a lot of time in vacation Bible school. So probably something to do with that. Okay. <laughs> but I don't remember specifically. That's a good question. I should ask my grandmother um, why, because you know normally I would ask my mom, but uh, my grandmother's the uh, biblical scholar. Okay, okay. Maybe, can I just say, oh. it might have just been the bullfrog. Jeremiah was bullfrog. <laughs> bullfrog, yeah. Right, well, but we don't have intern. frogs in L.A., so. Oh. <laughs> I just have a really important question. Was it a black and white television or a colored television? 
Mm, it was a black person throwing a color television at a white person. Oh. So there was black so and white. It was, and a, color. it was a diverse experience. It was incredibly diverse. <laughs> yes. Black and white. Wow. They, 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 he was smashing the white supremacy. <laughs> huh, that's Excellent. an interesting way to spin that. We call them televisions of <laughs> color, color now, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare you say color television? Yeah. Um, what is that? Okay. Uh, speaking of being colored and stuff, my question <laughs> that I pose to everyone who's on the show now is, uh, in what way are you a minority? And it can literally be anything you want to answer. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today when I was thinking, oh, I've got to get ready for the minority report. Um, and a lot of the writing I do, um, I went, you know, I tend to go through waves of thinking about one thing that leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And the whole idea of um, being a minority is kind of weird in some sense, because if you say you're a minority, you have to start with the presumption that the if it's a if it's a, an ethnic minority, you have to presume that there's some fundamental difference between people of different colors that you need to call out and make yourself a, a minority. Um, but I would never want to utilize that as anything central to my identity. Right. Uh, especially after I thought about this, my, so my dad's black, I'm half black, and then my daughter, and then my wife is white. So my kids are pretty light, but my daughter has blonde hair, blue eyes, and pink skin. Wow. So the idea that I would have any um, tie to my ethnicity or be a minority um, when it's something that can be diluted into nothingness within two generations seems kind of silly. That's fair. So do you want to choose that something else that has nothing to do with your skin color, like something about mm. gardening or like what what's something? What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? Sorry. Oh, that was beautiful. Who did that, Carter? That's, Car that's the intro. I, I had the a clip there. I couldn't help it. I, yeah. Oh, you know what? I, I, I thought of one. Um, a warrior in a garden. Okay. A warrior in a As garden. As opposed to being a gardener in a war. Ah. Pretty good. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, do you do a lot of weeding and stuff too when I'm when you're having to figure out because I can never recognize I'm like which one is the plant that I want to keep and which one is the thing that I'm supposed to not have. So uh it depends. So I mean I've got a regular yard, so we got a pretty good sized yard, especially coming from Los Angeles where we have mm -hmm. almost nothing. Um but I do a lot of weeding throughout the yard because we've got flower beds with mulch and brush and lawn, et cetera, et cetera. So there's tons of weed that I'm weeds that I'm always pulling. And my daughter sometimes would help me with it because it's really easy to pull weeds out of mulch because it's so loose. Yeah. The yeah. problem with what you said, you, it's hard to tell a difference. As I was planting last year, she saw things sprouting out from my garden boxes and started pulling out. What were actually cucumbers <laughs> so yeah i do some weeding in the garden but this time it's different because i um what all i had before were little garden boxes on my deck so i had three of them which still you know i got a lot of stuff out of them um, but i actually built an eight by 24 fenced in 
area Ooh. where I actually have um, some, I use cattle panel for garden hoops and I've got four different lines of beds that I just started planting today. Uh, I'm not sure if like we, we did like raised garden beds last year because we didn't know we have like a lot of clay and we didn't know if things would grow or not. So we tried it, but then I, I love carrots and we tried carrots and we were told that they're going to be like short and fat and right. they definitely were just in the raised, but they, they grew. And uh, so we were excited to have some of the stuff actually grow. Like we have the summer squash that I think we we're also just cucumber and stuff. And, um, but I think this year we're trying to just actually like plant in the ground and see what happens. And my dad got three tractors so like from like the 1940s. They're just really? old tractors. And um, so he's storing two of them here. One is at his place because he just lives through the woods. Yeah. Uh, um, but so he's like tilling the land and stuff too. And uh, so we're just slowly trying to figure out what to do with everything. But we also have a bunch of rabbits that we need to get rid of. Yeah, which is why I did the fence because during springtime, there is not one day where I don't see at least three to five rabbits. Yeah, we have like 30 because they just live on and they're like domestic rabbits that just they've the, the, oh, the right. stereotype is a uh, very true with how much they they breed. So um, yeah, and they chew and chew and chew. So I mean, I've got plenty of area where I can plant. Um, I'm just most of my concern was what, what can I plant and actually eat? Because um, I mean, even with the garden soil that I put in, all of a sudden I had tons of birds in my yard because mm. the garden soil comes already with manure, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's full of uh, worms. So now I've got flocks of birds coming into I my love the worms. yard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hate worms. That's the biggest thing that really puts me off from gardening is like, I don't, I would always say I had a fear of worms, I guess fear isn't the right word, it's disgust. Like I just don't trust anything that's just small and wriggly and I hate it. Yeah, I get that because I was telling my son um, a couple of days ago, um, in the morning he gets on the bus. So we stand in the garage if it's kind of cold. So we open up the garage and we go to the end of the driveway and he gets on the bus. So as we were waiting two or three days in a row, a little bird flew out of the garage. And it made me think, oh, wow, there's probably a little bird in here. And he was, he, and I told him that I'm kind of scared of birds. And it's interesting because it's not the big birds that I'm scared of. Like, like if it was a, uh, like my geese. Yeah. Ducks, <laughs> et cetera. Chickens, I'll pick them up. But small little birds. Are really? Just, oh, oh, wow. I had a tiny bird in the house the other day. I was just finishing up on someone else's stream and, and then we were talking after. And then I kept hearing my cats running back and forth outside in the hall and yowling. And then I heard a chirping mm -hmm. sound. So I went out and I was just like this tiny little bird that I think flew in through the window. So I had to catch it and it just stayed in my hand as I like held it outside waiting for it to fly away. And but I think it was just like kind of scared and stunned but yeah I wasn't afraid of it but I wonder I wonder if you would have been afraid well you know I, I know I'm afraid but I usually can get over if I need to because that similar thing happened to where um I I found the bird and I I finally got it out because it was in our house um and for me to get it out I had to hold it mm -hmm. um, and then I had trouble getting it to fly away even after I put it on the ground for a while and I think that they got so freaked out from all the adrenaline and the stress right. hormones, and they just get so tired 
that they're just gonna lay and they're like, okay, I'm done. What are you gonna do? I can't go anywhere. Yeah, sometimes it's just like they're like, well, this is yeah. it for me. I'm ready to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they just rest up a little bit, and I went back out. I was like, you're still here, and I kind of, hey, hey, move, and then. Yeah, yeah, they'll go away. I when I was little, I had different, I had parakeets a, a bunch of times though. So then maybe I just got accustomed to that. Maybe I should have had like pet worms growing up, and I would have been happier with them too. But they're gross. That's what I, uh, Zato, I see. I don't trust anything small and weakly. Yes, that is a quote I have said now. Uh, <laughs> he also with gardening. He said all the new plants are sus. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I can't. So then you, but if I weed everything out, then, then yeah, you get rid of all your good stuff too. That's Speaking right. your, your kids too, when you were talking about how like you're kind of, you know, when you're with a white person and then like the less and less colorful their skin is, I, I have always been like, I don't know whether I want kids or not, but I, part of me wants children because I just want to see what, what it looks like to be like, I'm half Filipino. What does a quarter one look like? And then what does an eighth look like? Just to kind of see like how white my boyfriend's a ginger. So I'm like, at what point would oh, like, right. a child have red hair? Like, <laughs> I love how disgusted hair. you were with your, oh, that's right. Ugh, no, I was like, oh, that's, I wasn't disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We all that's are. The, that's the right <laughs> reaction, Thomas. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I always was that way about in college. My friend loved gingers. And so I would, but I would always play off how much I hated them and just be grossed out by it. And so there you are. tables yeah, have certainly turned. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. And especially as dramatic as my daughter is different to with the blonde hair and blue yeah. eyes. My wife doesn't have blue eyes either. Her brother has blue eyes and my grandmother has blue eyes. Okay. So there's, there's ways that it got in there. It's kind of, you know, we can figure, figure that out. But um, wait, sorry, I, I, Which, who on your family has blue eyes? My grandmother. Your grandmother does. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, it, it's, it's enough to where we're so different. I wonder if people think whose kid is that? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. I'll, I, I, well, my dad, I grew up with my dad who's white. And so then I always wondered, I'm like, what? And sometimes my friends and I would just joke that he was my parole officer. Cause I was like, yeah, like <laughs> we don't look anything alike and, or just other things too. So I always wondered like, what, what are people assuming? Did he kidnap me? Did, I don't know. That happened to me one time um, living in Los Angeles. We used to go to Tijuana uh, somewhat regularly and it was just my mother and I, and she's pretty white with light brown hair. Um, and probably living in, in Southern California, being outside more often, um, I was probably a lot darker at the time too. Mm -hmm. But as you come back across the border, they have this um, regular question that they ask, which is, are you bringing anything back across the border? And my, I remember my mom saying no. And then the lady looks at me and looks at my mom and says, are you sure? And my mom was so offended. <laughs> wow. Um, geez. Yeah, I, you, I think you mentioned, I think you, I've seen it in an article and then it, we kind of talked about it last year, I think when we met up at the retreat, but um, your one grandfather was Chinese, right? Yeah. Um, so then I, but I forget the, the story. In that yeah, case. Big Tommy. Yeah. Okay. Well, Big Tommy married my grandmother when my mother was a little girl. So there's no genetic connection there, but right. So step grandfather. Right. But he, you know, being there since my mom was a little girl and long before I was born and we were raised in his house and he took us to school every day and made our lunches and slapped our ass. So 
to me, it's like, that's my grandfather. Right, right. Did, did, did he bring in any the cultural aspects then too of, from being Chinese? Somewhat. I mean, he grew up with his Chinese family, but his name in Chinese means first son born in America. Um, so he was, oh. you know, a natural born citizen. Um, but, you know, he spoke Chinese. We went to all of the banquets, which were all at Chinese restaurants with Chinese family and Chinese food. And we spent time in Chinatown. So a little bit, yeah, but he was much more LA than he was Chinese. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's just, it's interesting. I mean, just because I know that you're on the like unwoke side of things that like, Hey, you actually have the, the diversity that, that the left always wants, but then you're like, it's not a big deal though. Cause it's just like, I I'm, think that's why in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're living it and then it, and they're always telling you like shoving it in your face with all that stuff though. But you're just like, no, like we're, we're Americans. We're living yeah. our lives normally. Like it doesn't play a part in this. Yeah. Because I mean, I lived in a house with my white mother, my white grandmother, my brother and I have both the same parents. Um, my Chinese grandfather, my grandmother's best friend was white and she was married to a black guy who had mixed kids. My mom remarried when I was in fourth grade and he's from Iran. So I had that whole oh, side wow. of the family too. My brother eventually had kids. Um, the first two were the mom was black and Thai and the other one, the mother was Mexican. So all these admixtures of things and, and people that are actually genetically connected to me, um, I've never identified my tribal in-group based on color. Uh -huh. it's, and I think that is part of why I don't get the, like sometimes people say, I remember there was a discussion um, with Peterson, Jordan Peterson, he has been going through this with a few different people. One of them was John McWhorter where he says, are all white people racist? Yes and no. Everybody has an in-group, so there is an, a, a, a tendency for us to identify outsiders. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that for me is that my identification of an in-group has never been based on an ethnicity because I wasn't raised in a family, which was my in-group, that had any ethnic ties to each other. They were very thin and, you know. Right, right. right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And because I, 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 anytime that you have, there's going to be any sort of tribalism, like in, in a very small sense, like your your group that you grew up with or family or whatever, though, too. Like I, I was mostly with white people, though. And I just so it's like I never we never thought about race and stuff. Like in my high school, my my graduating class, there were like a few of us that were, were, were Puerto Rican and some black. I think we're, a lot of us were like half something or another. So we're all like mixed kids, but race mm -hmm. never mattered. It just didn't come up and it wasn't a concern that, and we didn't talk about it. So I can't imagine what it's like now when they're like trying to literally segregate you by color and caring about these things because it was just like nothing that anyone ever thought about or if we did they they would be jokes about it there I, I wonder if youtube will let me say this word but um that we were reading an english Whoa. class once it was the the nigard the n-i-g-g-a-r-d um so it's not i forget what it means but it's not like in the racist right. sense I forget it means the parsimonious that's right yeah yeah so the english oh, teacher yeah. 
read it and he and he paused and he's like now that's not what and then the two black kids in our class like stood up and like surrounded him on either side and they're jokingly they're like what did you just say and but like it was just yeah you know it was playful so and he was just this like small white nerdy teacher too though so then they're like um trying to go up in him but then yeah that was the only time like people we were able to make jokes about these things. My white friends made fun of me, or, you know, like they made jokes about me being the the token minority friend and all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and that was just kind of what we did, but it wasn't like serious. So w- when I moved to Chicago and then started seeing people like talking more about, like caring more about this, it was really weird for me. I had a, the, I remember talking to one guy, he was asking about, he was black and he was asking about like my improv team. And then, and I think he asked, you know, like what other like, colors the people were. And I, uh, they were all white people in my team and I chose them all. They're all white guys because I just happened to think they were funny and we got along with like, you know, like we had the same type of humor, but I didn't, I wasn't picking based on like, you're a woman, you're this color, mm-hmm. like we're going to have all this. So yeah, I agree that it's just never been something that like I ever thought about. Yeah. And it, I, it's, it's interesting that um, it's hard to sometimes explain what the specific difference is because um, it's not that people didn't know or people didn't notice that you had a different ethnicity or a different color. It was more like um, it, it didn't matter as much as we tend to make it matter today. Um, it was more like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make fun of you because you're a blonde and blondes are dumb and gingers have no soul. So ha ha ha. Anyway, let's move yeah. on with the day because, I, you know, it was much more like that because mm-hmm. I mean, like I had, I, I remember some of my nicknames, one of my best friends in junior high school um, where I, at the time I was the only non-white, non-Asian kid there um, in seventh and then eighth grade, except for my little brother when um, he was in seventh and I was in eighth. Um, and my, except for this friend I'm talking about who's from El Salvador, he used to call me Tommy St. Tommy, the caramel brother. Or all the white kids would call me Tommy, Tommy the rapper, because that was a time period when hip hop was first starting to come out. And that's all I listened to. So there was an acknowledgement that there was something different um, and there were some jokes about it, but it was never mean spirited. It was never something that put me on the outside of any social group because of it. It was just it's there. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And I, and I think especially with boys, you know, if, if you can't take a, a poke every now and then, um, I, it's kind of like a testing ground to, okay. because if you can't take that, then we can't depend on you for much more than that. So right. you know, right. not going to be part of our group. Also, you know, my friends, like we weren't girly though. Either. So like they were, you know, they were all female friends but we were mean to each other too and nicknames carter knows some of the nicknames that my friend said because he hasn't used it in a while but my nicknames as the token minority like asia was a big one that we went and i you know i embraced it too like we would have like uh gym t-shirts that we made we made our like gym class names and and mine was asian invasion and so i used that but so that was like a nickname uh but they also just called me china uh and my favorite one was darky was the name that these, which is what <laughs> Carter has called me off air yeah. at different points. I, yeah, <laughs> but only in jest. <laughs> right, yeah, no, no, and that's, uh, so again, I, it was just all playful stuff. Um, and I didn't care though either, because it was like, 
I like I like jokes like that. I like the ones that you can. I don't know. I think uh, that was a reason why I, I stopped doing comedy in Chicago because people were just too offended by everything and too sensitive and like this isn't fun anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Um, to Thomas's point, though, this is important because it's important, especially in guy. I don't know about female circles, but it is important in guy circles. Guys intentionally, it doesn't matter if it's racial or anything else. Guys find something to mock and mock you about and pick on you intentionally. Um, and that's part of like the hazing, that's part of the hazing process for being in any part of group of guys. Like, you know, so if it wasn't hip hop, it had been something else. Right. So, oh, yeah. um, they just pick on whatever it is they think will kind of work. And it's, it is a test to see, cause no one wants to hang around. Guys don't want to hang around with a bunch of thin skinned snowflakes generally. So I don't either. <laughs> they want someone who's like, yeah. And then they dish it back and like, okay. He's cool now, right? Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, I think on the extreme level, it's, well, if I, if you can't uh, compose yourself when I'm making fun of this, then what good are you in a firefight? Can you handle something? Yeah. yeah worse. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. And I just generally, when I, when I meet anyone, like it doesn't matter, you know, boy, girl, or, or in between, uh, but it's just like, if I can... There's sometimes like you kind of have to size up people quickly though too and there are people who i've met where i'm like oh i can tell like i have to be careful with you like or like that we're just going to be like it's pleasantries only um but like you can't handle like we're not going to be i if if there's a chance of getting closer to someone it's because like i can we're going to mock each other um yeah. and if you don't then you just know that like this is going to be kind of a more shallow relationship and and not that that's always but like sometimes there are just people that you don't talk to as much but like if you're there are people who are like oh i talk to you a lot but it's definitely just on a more casual level yeah. i had that specific um experience a couple of days ago i took lincoln my son to get his hair cut and I was checking him in, but he was sitting down. I'm at the register. And the lady said, oh, okay, is this for Lincoln? I said, yeah, it's for Lincoln. I'm not getting anything done today. She goes, oh, yeah, that's right. We don't do shine jobs. <laughs> and I thought, that's a lady that I'd get along with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, speaking of jokes and stuff and fun, uh, we need to catch up on a couple of the games here. So can, do you have your, your two truths and a lie? Yeah. And you already named one of my truths. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> That's what I hear for not reading it. So, well, if you want yeah. to do a different truth, because you could change it up if you have something else that's true. Cause I won't remember. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't read what you had. Well, posted before. it'll be a truth and a lie then. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just i mean like is there do you have nothing else that's true about you you can uh, throw some there's nothing else those are the three things well i guess if you want to just use the same one we can already we can eliminate and we'll just we'll technically be okay or maybe um, i lied maybe everything you've heard until now is, is that's right a lie, so all right i'll i'll say one truth two truths and one lie okay um number one I've never tested positive for COVID. Number two, I've never gone skydiving. Number three, I drive a minivan. All right. I've never so hold tested on. No positive COVID. for COVID. No skydiving. Never I'm asking chat. Skydiving. 
and uh, you drive a minivan. Uh, okay, while he asks chat, I'm going to say, oh, Zato says, Beverly must really love me then based on her level of mockage. That's true. That's true. I pick on Zato a lot. <laughs> um, but I know he can take it, so. Yeah. Um, okay, I have to think. What is William Brown thinks skydiving is the lie. I in that you've never got, you look like a skydiver. We're not officially answer. I'm just re, I'm just reading reading chat. What does right that now. mean? You look like a I skydiver. think I know. I, you, think know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You look like someone who I mean, like you're you're you look like you've come across as like I'm I'm a dad, but then I also do like really really like exciting <laughs> stuff in the. Uh, but he was in the military too. So I know. Yeah. Skydive, but not so everyone you, in the military gets. But but then, but you're also tough enough to have have sky. I'm a tariff. I would never go skydiving. My one brother did, and I I want to go paragliding. I do something like that. Mm. But sky when you're just falling, <laughs> I'm not interested. I have such yeah, a terrifying that. fear of heights. Um, they all seem plausible, says Zato. I think so too. All right, you've never tested positive. You totally drive the minivan. You, I know, right? Uh, you drive a minivan, and you've <laughs> never gone skydiving. I think the lie is you have tested. I think I think it's the COVID is the lie. So you think? Chat says, chat says skydiving is the lie. It so could be. <laughs> so Beverly, what is your final answer? So I think chat uh, chat says skydive is the lie. I'm really terrible at these, um, but which is good for you though, because then you get points for beating me. Um, so I'll say that I think COVID is the lie that you have tested positive. So I think you have tested positive for COVID at some point. I think you have gone skydiving, and I think you drive a minivan. Those are what I believe about you. I have gone skydiving. Okay, and you had said you had never gone skydiving. Right. Oh wait. So I said the lie. Oh, is that you didn't? Oh, then I did it backwards. It's okay though. So oh yeah, I did did it backwards too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was confused about. Yeah, yeah. No skydiving is the lie. Yeah. That is okay. Okay, that makes sense. I said the thing wrong. Of that, I did believe you went skydiving, but I did say COVID. So you get the points anyway, though. So you win five points for wording it confusingly (laughs) that I didn't know how to answer this question. I should have put. I I wrote them out thinking we would put them put them up or something. I think that would that would. That I, I put them up and it still didn't help me. I read them and still was like, uh, no skydiving. Obviously, he's been skydiving and then voted for COVID. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I I wanted to be specific. I was like, I've never tested positive for COVID, but I've never tested myself for COVID. <laughs> So yeah, so you, so Tommy the skydiver, uh, and Tommy the minivan. mini dra- <laughs> minivan driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got kids. You have to. Yeah, I mean. I know yeah. that's what I was thinking. Like that's why I was just like, yeah, you, you definitely have. Uh, but uh, skydiving. Tell me about that. What What was the context? Well, that was actually just with some friends. That was before I was ever in the military. Okay. And, um, they were going, so I was like, all right, I'll go too. And um, it was tandem the first time. Um, and that was my only time. Um, and you know, you go up in the little plane and then they give you all the instructions. It's quite a, a little process. I'm um, scared just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And be nervous. I didn't really feel too much leading up to it, but the thing that I remember the most was, um, so he's strapped to my back and there's 
there's somebody in front of us who jumps out the plane. And then some, there was something in my mind when I saw them jump out the plane. Usually emotions are simple, simply emotions. But I almost literally heard somebody in my head say, hey, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> it was weird. I've never had that experience before or since. It was more like a very well-articulated voice saying, "Don't." That's no, that's not what you're supposed to do. Millions of years of evolution went, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all it came up to. <laughs> Um, no. But then I just kind of, he starts moving you forward because he's strapped to you and he says, okay, one, two, three. And then you, once you pop out, you're supposed to actually spread out like this. Okay. Um, and you get that falling feeling, but it, it dissipates quickly. And then you don't feel anything but wind and it's really loud. Um, so the falling feel it dissipates. So it, it just Very feels quickly. like you're you hit, floating. You hit terminal velocity. At and some then point. you're. I think it's even sooner than that. I don't remember oh, okay. experiencing a falling feel, feeling for very long at all. It was, it wasn't like a roller coaster uh, that never ended. Okay. So maybe I'd be less scared because it's the falling part that, you know, that where I'm like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to die now, but. Uh, you're still falling, Beverly. <laughs> I know. Oh, I thought I could just fly. <laughs> It almost seems like that because when you're that high up and probably even more when you're higher, but the it's not like you see, it's not like jumping from the roof and you see the floor coming quickly. You're so high up that it doesn't really seem like you're moving down towards the earth that quickly. So it's, it's not like the earth is rushing at you like, oh my God. Right. It's just like you're just looking at the view. Huh. Okay. Well, you're making it sound less extremely terrifying i but... wouldn't do it again <laughs> okay well then now i'm getting i'm feeling mixed signals a little bit about the description well, and then <laughs> well for a couple reasons um i noticed one of the things i noticed is that when we landed a lot of my friends talked about it as if they had a, an emotional religious revelation and they were on a high mm. um, when i landed we you know land on your feet I immediately felt like I would just reset. I turned around and I said, thank you. And I moved on. I had no residual emotional reaction to it whatsoever. So part of it is like, I don't know that I would ever want to do that again because I didn't really get much out of it. Um, and now I have responsibilities because I have a wife and a child and the, the risk, it would be a whole lot of risk for almost no reward. Right, yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, so you ever do paragliding? What's the other one that's like paragliding? The hang gliding. Right. Um, those are no, both no, things that I, because that feels more like flying than just falling. So I'm more interested yeah, in that. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, despite being afraid of heights, like I, I love roller coasters. I do love Me too. all, all yeah. of those. Uh, there's one ride, I think it was at Geauga Lake in Ohio. It used to be like a Six Flags or something. And, uh, it was called the dominator that used to be the batman ride i remember this and there was a, and we went on it i think it was my birthday or something and my friends and i went on it a bunch of times but there was one loop on there that every time that i went in it i blacked out for like a split second or just like definitely yeah. everything <laughs> i've never had that experience before outside of that but it was just like this quick thing we're like nope 
still going to keep doing it. We were sitting in the front row and, and it was so much fun, but uh, I don't know, like something about that. Cause it's like, if I'm going to die, at least I'm dying in like this fat, like 90 miles an hour on a loop, just going to burst into flames. Like at least it was kind of fun while it happened, but. Yeah. Um, I, I would, if, if, if I had, you know, sometimes we talk about how would you want to go out? I was like, yeah, roller coaster. Uh, I always think I, I'd want to go out like in a, a massive gunfire or something like that. Oh. A roller coaster, I'd be like, oh, that would suck. Oh, you, <laughs> you went upside down and fell off. And then you just, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair too, though. Like, you want something that's going to be a cool death. Uh, yeah, dramatic. How would I want to? Gunfire. Heroic. Heroic. So you're like the blue suicide is what you're going for. Oh. Suicide by cop? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know. That'd be like a villain. You find a. Uh, uh, depends on a whether the cops that's are true. villains. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. fair. I don't know. Find a convention of um, pedophiles or something and you just go out and blast it or something. You know, something more like that. I see. You know? Or like the IRS. Oh, yeah. There you go. Same just as an example, I'm just throwing it out. There. You know. Hypothetically. Um, if one were to do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let me think about this by the end of the episode. I'll see. I'll have to think about what my choice of death would be. Um, in the meantime, I wanted to talk to you too about you since you were born in LA and then you lived there. Yours uh, near Dodger Stadium, right? And then you moved to Nashville like, when you followed your parents. I was trying to do that math, I think, because you just gave years, but you were like 18 to like yeah, 24 so, or something when you moved to Nashville. Yeah. So they, I was 17 when they moved. I finished my senior high, my senior year of high school um, outside of Los Angeles. And then I moved to Nashville after graduation. So I was there from 18 to 24. And then, and you were acting when you moved over to Nashville. Yeah, um, I was waiting tables. And it was funny. It was like, it was like a microcosm of the stereotypical Los Angeles experience where I'm in, but except I'm in Nashville, I'm waiting tables and I waited on um, this lady was an agent and she said, oh, we should try this out. Oh. And yeah. So I did some of that work. I did a few commercials. Um, a lot of it was industrial stuff. Like if you go to um, Red Lobster and you have the training videos, they have people in the training videos. We would okay. do a lot of stuff that too. Hmm. And then you already had experience working at a restaurant. So then they're like, hey, this is fitting. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Oh, hi, John Delarose and Jet. He says hello from a beach in Orange County. Uh look at you. No kidding. <laughs> um fancy clean beaches down there. So uh, when you got into act, so you were doing like kind of those ads and commercials and things though, but you mentioned to me too in your bio that like you weren't that into it, but you continued to do it for a while because you went back to LA, right? And then you pursued it yeah. more. Well, I think I, I realized I wasn't that into it when I went to LA because when I was in Nashville, it was pretty steady work and it was it was really financially helpful. And I had a lot of fun oh. doing it. Um, so I started taking acting classes and then I decided, well, if I'm going to do anything, I probably should go back to Los Angeles. And it was an easier move for me because it was where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I have family I can stay with. And then, you know, it wasn't like going to a totally strange place. Right. Um, so I started to do that process where I would get with an agency and talk to them and 
um, I was told to do a bunch of things and here's where you go and take classes. But the thing about it was acting in Los Angeles, from my experience, was very much a lifestyle. Uh-huh. In the sense it's very that competitive, it, I imagine. Yeah, and it's it, it's socially competitive to where you need to be out at night, you need to be going to the right parties, uh-huh. going to the right spots, and how do you get in? And you know, eventually I was able to figure that out. Um, but I at the time I was starting to get into personal training and I was up early in the morning, and I just not only did did it conflict with how I enjoyed living, which was up early in the morning, um, but I didn't like the um, social politics. I would say my, maybe I wouldn't say I didn't like. It was more that I just wasn't interested. Like it was like okay, meet this person and meet this person. I was like, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like meeting these. People. I know that life. Anything wrong with them specifically? I just. It was kind of like, I mean, if that's part of the job, I'm just, I had no drive to do all of that. And it eventually just kind of, I just faded away and finished college and was personal training and kept doing that. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you really have to sell yourself and and, and not just like in the yeah, performing part, but just to, to get yourself out there. And the same thing, like, like I said, it was in Chicago and, and even the improviser, like you kind of want to hang out with people to just to get to know them more. And then, then you get to work on different projects or work on whatever. Like, it's just kind of the, it's always the who, you know, and in, in any of the entertainment industry, but a lot, but I'm so antisocial and I'm like, I'm a hermit and I'd rather like, I just want to hang out at home. I don't want to have to do all this, like going out mm-hmm. is uh, work and money and then having to like socialize. <laughs> so it was hard to keep up with that kind of thing a lot too. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. you uh, when you said you're in the restaurant industry too, it was mainly just serving. Is that what you had done? Or did you yeah, get into started, anything more? I started busting tables and then um, serving. Most of it was serving tables. Um, I did bartend as well, probably mm. two out of the seven years. Um, but it was restaurant yeah. bartending. It was, wasn't like club bartending. Oh, okay. And then washing dishes too. I could see you also strike me as someone who could be a bartender, like a bartender at like a a very casual bar where people go in, like a cheers kind of bar where people come in and talk to you about their problems because you seem like a good listener and, and then you give them life advice. So um, you should you should consider a career change because I think you would do really well in that. I think uh, you, know, you know the funny thing is out of all the things that I've done, waiting tables in the restaurant industry brings me the most good memories wow um, we had vastly different experiences in serving Come I had on. So much fun well i mean there was one restaurant so in in nashville i worked at a restaurant called the ultraviolet diner for one year they shut down and two of two of us from that restaurant myself and my friend glenn were picked to be recommended to a different restaurant it's called the green hills grill in green hills nashville um, and I was there for five years. So, and during that five years, it was um, where I was working. Um, I met my best friend, Philip. We became roommates. His sister worked there. Her husband worked there. His mom worked there. She married one of the guys who worked in the kitchen. Uh, so it wasn't just like some, you know, uh, Red Lobster or someplace where it's a bunch of people coming in and out. Um, it was like, going to work with family members all the time. 
Um, and even today, some of the people that I worked th with there that were there when I started in 1993 are there today. Wow. Wow. So in most I know a couple of servers that are still there. I know that like a lot of times in, in the industry too, like you, the people get pretty close. Like I, I didn't dislike the the people that I worked with, but then it was the customers who were always the worst though. So that became, I mean, and I don't know what uh, I worked as a server at second city comedy theater. And um, so with that, it's different than just like a regular restaurant though. Cause you're doing it during the show and like, so beforehand and during, so then you're having to go out into the theater in the dark quietly um, as you're like getting their orders, you're carrying like 20 drinks on a tray and you're trying not to get in the front of the stage. People are like trying to take drinks off of your tray, which will like make it wobble and topple over. Um, and then we're all, it was also like half sales job too. So like you're also having to upsell them really overpriced drinks that I was like, this is not worth it, but I guess you're here. Like I, I, I want you to buy it so that you're spending more money. But for me, it was like a very soul sucking job like the people were fun like the the atmosphere could be fun but then it was just I was there for three years and by the end of it it was it was I was miserable and so I definitely had have different feelings than you do of your memories there um well yeah it, we of course had I mean I remember some specific patients I'm sorry patients I'm in healthcare now customers that were not fun to wait on it would be annoying but you know it in the rest it was i wouldn't say it wasn't like an upper class restaurant but it wasn't an area of town that was a little higher in class structure um but the restaurant itself was probably more americana so we mm. we we'd have a lot of regulars there so i would say every shift i worked not only was i working with people that i knew very well uh, that i know to this day but I waited on people who know we knew me by my first name and vice versa. So it was much more family oriented, not that families necessarily were coming in strictly, but there was a familiarity with everybody. Um, so that made it um, fun as well. But it, of course it was also stressful. And it, one, another interesting thing is even after two deployments to Afghanistan, my nightmares are always around waiting tables. Yes. I never have any dreams about Afghanistan. It's always. Wow. I mean, I don't have Afghanistan experiences, but I definitely, when I have had dreams where I'm just like waking up, I forgot to take that water to the table. Yeah. I forgot. Like, and then I always show up to the restaurant and I can't find my uniform. So I have to greet my first couple of tables with nothing but a pair of pants on and no shirt. And I have to why. It's embarrassing. And I forget the order. It's just all that kind of stuff happens all the time in my dreams. And I hate it. I was, I was like, I'm miserable when I'm awake and having to do this. And now I'm dreaming while I'm asleep. I'm still working and I can't get out of it. And it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, they With the sales job, I know that they part of it, we had to upsell. So it was like, uh, when I first started, you start at the very bottom and then they like rank you and stuff like with your sales and all that. And so by midway, I was able to make it to top server. And so I, and I was like, okay, I can do this. But then like, so it was like a year and a half in and I was there for a while, but then it ended up like, this is too soul sucking and I hate it. And by the time that I left, I was like back down at the bottom too. Cause I was just like, I don't care anymore. I can't be here. <laughs> but um, yeah. Trying to get people to order Grey Goose instead of well vodka. Yep. 
yeah, Grey Goose, Tito's, what else? Yeah. I don't know. We never, I never even said well, because it was just like, yeah, you don't want to say that. They're like, they can ask for well, but then like, you don't advertise this. That's the thing that you've got them. Um, oh, okay. Um, well, let's get out of my terrible memories of serving. And I want to do a would you rather game. Uh-oh. Let me see. I don't even remember what I have here. Okay. Uh, I've got three questions and um, specifically about you because you're now in Eastern Pennsylvania while I'm in Western Pennsylvania, but I think our uh, the climate is rather similar. So despite the actual setting of Pennsylvania and LA, uh, with like the people and whatever, would you rather live with the weather slash climate of Pennsylvania or the weather of LA? And I'm saying that as like, you know, Pennsylvania has the humid continental. So we've got the four seasons uh, and then LA is, I assume just always sunny, which can be perfect, but does that get boring? So I was just wondering like, which would you rather pick? You know, even though the, I do appreciate these seasons um, and the snow um, and your location is much more about people than anything else. If it was weather only, I would choose LA. Really? Um, even more specifically, I choose San Diego. Cause when I moved to, to moved out here, I was in San Diego and that was even better. Oh, see, that's what I really want to go to San Diego, but that, I mean, but those are different locations. So you'd have to choose just LA. You don't even get yeah. San, that's off the table. But from what or I've been told, yeah. San Diego is like my dream weather, I think, because it's like 70 degrees always. And uh, right. yeah, it sounds- you wouldn't be a, min- a token minority anymore. You'd just be another. Especially being in San Diego because the Navy is so huge there. Do you know about Filipinos in the Navy? Uh, not a ton. What, um, what about What do they do? It is a big. Um, it's part part of the Navy is that Filipinos outweigh their, how would you say this? There's more Filipinos in the Navy uh, proportionally than there are in the population of the United States. So it, it, it tends to be a profession that a lot of Filipinos go into. Wow. Yeah. And the Navy? So, huh? Right. So as, you know, as uh, being in the Navy, I was, I had a lot of, and still do have a lot of Filipino friends, a lot of the... Yeah. Um, the social activities involve Filipino food. Um, and there's even this thing called the mafia where within the Navy, if you're Filipino, they say um, there's a lot of nepotism where they're really looking out for each other and things like that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I think it's just a colloquialism for a, a lot of people that happen to have things in common um, helping each other out sometimes, maybe, but it's, yeah, being in the Navy, there's a lot of Filipinos and the Navy is huge in San Diego. So the amount of Filipinos in San Diego. Yeah. Oh, okay. So why would Filipinos want to be, is it because it's, they're, it's an Island country, so they're just used to the water. Is that why they would join the Navy? <laughs> I, I really don't know. That's a good question. You know, it, it might be one of those things like, why do like, like sometimes when you have immigrants, why like in in Los Angeles we had um, Glendale, which was is the has the largest population of Armenians outside of Armenia. But why Glendale? 
I don't know, maybe a couple move there and then your friends or family and then you communicate back and then more and more and more. So they're kind of just, that just happens. So it might be that a couple people join the Navy. Um, they say it's a good job. It's steady. You get health care um, and then more and more and more. And it just a positive feedback loop like that. I really don't know. I don't, I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with the specific job itself because you can probably do the same thing in the Air Force. Um, the Army and Marines would mm-hmm. be a little bit tougher because you're going to spend a lot more time as a grunt. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'm just curious about the, yeah, the When you traces. said Glendale, I thought you were going to say uh, Scientologists. Mm. What do you know? Maybe so what do you know about Scientology and Glendale? Uh, what do you know? They have a, they have a, why are you are you gonna are you connected with the church? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, be, gonna... I'm gonna be off. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you know about the secret rituals? Um, I've been in. No, the there's there's. Ritual. Yeah, there there's. Uh, serious. There's, <laughs> have you really? Tell us about the secret rituals. Oh my, my god! Pa- my parents are Scientologists. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Well, isn't there a lot of Scientology in Glendale? Because there's like. There's a lot of uh, property. There's a church. There's a church in Glendale. There's like a lot of. Um, I know a lot of business owners in Glendale who were Scientologists for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah. there seems it seems to be a mecca of Scientology. You know I, that might be true, but I never thought of it as a mecca of Scientology. Although I know that there is Scientology in Glendale. I I remember seeing it there, um, but it's all there's also the big center that I know of is actually in Hollywood. Um, yep. Oh. Yeah. So I actually, as a, as a kid, um, through like elementary school, I was, I actually took Scientology courses because my parents wanted me to take them. Um, so I've been on the inside, I've done some of the courses. Um, so I, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with it, but not to that level. I don't really Please divulge, divulge all the secrets. Yeah. Now. <laughs> uh, well, like one of them, it was, <laughs> You know, especially now, um, I did my undergrad in physiology, and I'm pretty familiar with public health and the body, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So the, one of the very early courses I did, it, there was some kind of cleanse thing where um, I think the idea was to make sure that you rid your body of toxins as a means to be healthier and more conscious. And that way, when you take the courses, um it, you'll have a better ability to think straight. You probably should do it regularly because um, there's a, there's a part of Scientology that does look at like, like diet and organics and things like that. So the idea is um, you have to go into a sauna and inside the, while you're inside the sauna, prior to the going in the sauna, you take some vitamins. One of those vitamins is niacin and it's a large dose of it. He's really niacin take, too. Yeah, if you've ever taken a lot of niacin, what it does is it gives you a tingly feeling all over your skin. Um, mm-hmm. And it has something to do with the blood vessels opening up. And in their mind, it was that the blood is coming to the surface. So when you're in the sauna and you're sweating, it helps to rid your body of the uh, uh, toxins. toxins. Right. But, I mean, I have a liver and it functions. So the idea <laughs> so of do a, it. <laughs> yeah, a cleanse and... So, I mean, looking back now, you know, and I, I don't know if my parents still do that portion of it or if they even realize how, I mean, cleanses in general aren't a real thing. Um, so I don't I don't know if they really are still into that portion of it. But I mean, if you have to start, 
it's almost like a, I, I think Carter would appreciate this. If you if you start with a fundamental untruth, nothing that you do um, based on that fundamental untruth, right. uh, if that's the seed, your tree right. is going to be... <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I that that applies, analogy. yeah, to so yeah. many things. Well, well, because there are a lot of people who focus on deductive logic and and they, but they don't question where they get the premises. So they just start with some some arbitrary premises, and then they're really good at applying logic deductively to those premises. And it's like, well, you're not. It doesn't mean you're logical. It doesn't mean you're on the mark at all. You like where the hell did you get your premises you have yeah. to start with induction so yeah uh -huh. sorry i didn't mean to move the conversation in the philosophical direction oh. go back to frivolity <laughs> I'll, I'll shut up and drink my water hey, that was my fault i i mentioned carter and um ideas yeah see don't can't he talk was planting it. these seeds uh well i guess going back to the to the food since you have a lot of Filipino friends, what are your favorite? I see Chris Scars, he's talking about stuff too, though. Like you mentioned lumpia and, and all that. So like, do you have, I, I don't even, I know adobo. I know lumpia. Um, I remember at this restaurant in Chicago that we'd go to, that was a Filipino place. They also had spaghetti and hot dogs. So what is one of your <laughs> choice foods of the Filipino culture? Well, it's definitely not balut. You, you oh yeah it. yeah i've oh, never had it but my mom has talked that's the where you bury a raw egg in the ground and for like a long time until it I don't oh know, god like like wait grow. i have to show people this yeah. horrid thing sato i agree uh, i love spam yeah let's see it uh i, I mean do you really okay yes you really want to see the blue i think my my i know i'm, I'm i got mom it. must a have more than what beverly said yeah, I can't remember what else it was, but like I know my dad has had it. I think my, I mean, when he was, uh, yeah, yeah, that it grows. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like it keeps growing. That looks then, like a bird. Eat, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Just to be clear, this does not look like a normal egg. That looks yeah. like a bird. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I I still have a group chat that I'm on, and it goes back and forth every day from some military friends. And at least three of them are Filipino. So every once in a while, they'll throw this. You know, oh, I'm eating Filipino food. Check it out, guys. You down? And they're like holding it. I'm like, oh, hell no. no. I can't. No. Yeah, I can't keep no. it. <laughs> All right. We need a, yeah. some sort of warning at the beginning. <laughs> I'm going to eat. But I, I didn't I realize. Like, I like. I didn't realize until as I was putting it up. Like, oh, this is. That's not just an egg. Yeah. But I, I do like lumpia. Um, it was funny. Whenever I saw lumpia the first time, I thought, oh, those are egg rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of the normal, like the bigger egg rolls and stuff too, but I love lumpia. My mom would make it. She's a vegetarian or pescatarian now though, but she'll still make lumpia <laughs> with uh, beef and shrimp and stuff. Uh, yeah. I love, uh, flan is also, because I, they, I know it's the, because the Philippines were ruled by Spain and stuff to say, I don't know where it initially came from though, but that was something that she would make too. And I love that. So that might be my favorite. Um, but I don't know many other foods outside of pretty much yeah. the, the few things that I know I really like though. Yeah. And um, it, it, I always thought that was really interesting, especially hearing um, Tagalog with a Filipino language all the time when I was in the military Um hearing all of the spanish words i started to notice I was like well, that sounds like spanish very spanish i realize how 
how much of an influence Spain had there. It wasn't mm -hmm. just you know, we were there for a while and left. It's like it's injected into the language permanently and what yeah. they eat too. I think and and culturally that they from what I've read at least I think uh, how they like Filipinos. I think the islands they all have like they look pretty different though too. They're just just structurally right. and but one thing that I've heard is that like they do like lighter skin now. And I think because Spain when it came in that they were like that oh they're wealthier. They're so like they kind of had this classist thing of that like with the Spanish yeah. are gonna be lighter skin. So the lighter skin you are, the better you are. So that became a. I think my mom told me too like if I ever went there that like they would like me because I have got lighter skin compared to them. So because I'm half white, so they would really like that. And um, so. I don't know. So I think that's interesting too, that it's just kind of, you know, a, a psychological thing that's throughout yeah. them. It's amazing how easily we um, use visual cues to identify people in certain groups that we want to be in. Um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I think we saw that a lot here during uh, slavery and with the mixes. And if you're lighter, you get to be in the house and then you're associated with maybe being smarter and, and so it, and those things stick around a lot longer than people tend mm -hmm. to. But right. you know, it's funny. It was like, I remember being in high school and that was still a cool thing to be light-skinned black. Um, like uh, there were a lot of singers out there like Albie Shore and um, all these like sexy light-skinned dudes. Um, but that seems to have gone away. And I heard somebody say that Tupac ruined it for light-skinned dudes. Because oh. once we got famous, it was like, nah, we're going to do this the black way. Black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. And I was like, ah, well, <laughs> there goes my shot. Thanks a lot, Tupac. Uh, um, oh, I guess Otto says, I think that's an Asian thing, right? Darker skin means you work in the fields. That makes sense, too, though, that, like, okay, that if, you, if you're indoors, more, you've got fair skin and... Yeah, yeah, and just I maybe not even Asian, like anywhere too. Like uh, anyone who's going to be inside is going to be pastier. So yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, okay, okay. Well, I think that was just the first question of would you rather. So we'll get get a point for that. Um, second question. So let me see. What is this? Okay. Uh, since you said that you weren't into acting uh, and then, and you said that you kind of, you know, that you enjoyed working as a server because it kind of had a familial thing. If you had to choose, would you rather, and you couldn't be in any sort of healthcare or anything else. It's just between these two. Would you rather be an actor or would you rather work in the restaurant industry? Restaurant industry, easily. Really? So you, uh, even, even, oh, I guess I just hate it so much. That, like um, I'd rather act, but is that because you're thinking of like, oh, if you, if you can go back to like the, the familial, familial ties for it, or just that you, the actual work itself, you enjoyed more than the work of acting? Yeah, the work itself. I'm, I, I remember thinking like, as I'm waiting tables, it was like a game to where the more I was given, the more I wanted to where the more complicated it was, the more it was fun to be able to, I, I got it. I got I have it, that I got challenge. It. And it was like going through processes constantly. And it was a lot of fun. And you got to interact with people who, you know, even though you have some people that suck, you get to interact with a lot of different people. And um, my work now, I'm, this is, this is essentially my office. I work from home um, and I do travel a bit. And um, 
late last year, I was actually, they needed help at one of the clinics. So I was actually working as somebody in the clinic who was registering patients. And I noticed how much I enjoyed that interaction with people. And I had so much yeah, fun. That's how you interact with people. Is, interact. I'm talking to you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had a lot of fun doing that. And I, I think I'm good at it. And I think that's partly why I like doing it. Um, I could spot people who are coming towards me who are already complaining about things. Uh, for example, I, I had this guy who was coming in. He was in line. I can hear him complaining about something. I was like, I was thinking this guy's going to, he wants to, you know, yell at somebody. But before he was able to say anything, I saw that his hat was, I can't remember if it was Navy veteran or what. I said, oh, you're a veteran? I asked him a couple questions. And I said, oh, yeah, me too. I did this, that, and the other. And completely flipped it to where we're having a good time. And I found that I'm very good at doing that kind of stuff. So you can de-escalate and and relate. Yeah, exactly. And I just have fun doing it. So I think I would enjoy waiting tables more. The acting was a lot of sitting around waiting to go on camera. Um, and it, you know, it, I, I wouldn't complain about it because those days I would have to be there early usually, and they would feed you all day, and I'd just sit there and eat and snack, and then you'd work this much, maybe ten percent of the six hours you would actually be on camera working, um, and then I'd say thirty percent maybe you're waiting for them, like you're near, you're like you're like on the set waiting for them to adjust everything and get everything. It takes forever. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not really doing anything. Um, so, I mean, there's probably aspects I would enjoy because I can probably sit there and read a book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, the work itself, I I didn't maybe, enjoy the acting. Maybe if you were more involved in the other aspects of filmmaking, though, too, that might be like if you're busier or something or had that rather than just waiting around. Because if you if you like the challenges of like, oh, the serving and all of that, then then, yeah, you'd probably like how do I like lighting. I hate handling lighting and filmmaking. Like I always had to get like other friends in college to, to do that part though. Cause it was just like, you could spend like three hours just trying to set up the the lights correctly for like one shot. And I was like, this is terrible. I just like comedy, which is all flat lighting. I don't need to be like fancy with anything. Just light them up and we can see them. Let's go. Um, so yeah, you, maybe you'd enjoy that more. I think it's interesting with your, uh, it just I guess socializing with the with the tables and that was maybe I would enjoy that more but I didn't get to because again when you're uh, doing yeah. it in the theater it's a rush we would have like I would have between 50 and 75 people that I would be serving at a time like during a show so then you're just like running around and like from table to table constantly so you you don't have time and you're just like having to whisper to them and like figure out and sometimes they would like ge- they would make the worst gestures of stuff too because it would be like yeah like what do you mean I've, i had someone they would like hold up their cup and point to it which i think like okay that means like, you want another one so I'd go back and bring it back to them. And they're like, no, no, what they meant was I have my drink already. It's this one right here. I'm good. I don't need another one. I've got this one here. Like, why would I know that? <laughs> why would yeah. I- well, if you if, if you don't need anything, why are you even gesturing? Just, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so Don't talk always- to me unless you need a drink. Or like they nod or something and then like or whatever gestures that would make and then be so confused when I'd bring them another round. I'm like, I, I, I can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it was a, uh, it was rough. But uh, if I got to like actually talk to them more, maybe that would be okay. <laughs> right. You know, I, I think it, it, for me it was a lot of the process stuff, and I, I a lot of the work I do in healthcare now is process related. Like yesterday, I walked into a clinic where I'm we're going to start utilizing um, automatic kiosk or check-in. So when I walk into a clinic and I see where everybody's sitting and I see where the patients are coming through, um, my mind just starts going like this should be over here. Why are you put this there? And it's very similar to waiting tables, which was a whole lot of things that have to happen in a certain order and a certain flow. And I, I think that's where I yeah. start to match up. Do you remember faces well? Like when you were, because my my biggest problem I think is if if people were like moving around or something, I wouldn't remember like who got what. I I knew based on the position of the where they were seated on the table. So I was just like this drink went here, this drink went here, and if they and I would not remember who was who. Like they would look at me as if I could recognize them. Like I only know you got the vodka soda. Like that is what you are in my brain. Like. Um, yeah, so. I think I think I remember faces, but like you said, when I waited tables, what I would do is um, I'd start from the first person on my left. From I would always stand in the same spot, and it goes one, two, three, four, or however many people are there. So it was posi- it was person number in that order. So that's how I would remember orders and where they go. Mm-hmm. It wasn't related to a person. So if I did know that they switched seats, I would switch. I would make a note on my pad so I wouldn't do that. But, you know, if I had to just do it by faces, that probably would be a bit tougher. Yeah. yeah. And again, when there are so many people, maybe it would have been better if I had less amount of people. But yeah. I don't know. Um, it's a really okay. different environment there. So you would choose restaurant industry like a crazy mm-hmm. person. But I'll give you a point for it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so question three. If you, uh, I know that you're busy, you've got work, you take care of your kids and all this stuff, but if you had the free time uh, when you're not worrying about working or taking care of family, would you rather spend all of that free time writing or all your free time reading? Because I know you like both. Reading. Yeah, I think really? the only reason. Yeah, the only reason I write is is because I read. And if I mm. if I just was writing, then I wouldn't have anything to read. I wouldn't have anything to write. If I write about because you wouldn't reading it. Mm, mm. Okay, and I know I was surprised to see when in, when you wrote your your bio to me about how you had only started writing like a year and a half or two years ago, and which I was just very yeah I was I was surprised about that because um, I don't know you you. Again, you seem like a bartender. You seem like a skydiver. You also seem like you're someone who's written for a very long time. No, it, it's it's much more of a recent thing. It's um, and the way it kind of started was I would be when I the more I read, the more I have ideas and I start thinking about stuff. And that inner dialogue doesn't stop. So every once in a while, I would think, oh, I need to write that down, mm. and I would write it down in my notes on my iPhone. Yeah. So what ended up happening is, and I think with social media, I would see people talking about stuff and then I talked as well. And I enjoyed whatever came about from those, even if it was contentious, like I, I couldn't not do it. Um, so I needed to have that outlet. Um, but then I ended up with tons of just fragmented notes. And every once in a while, I had a friend named Tony who I met at the Greenhouse Grill as a waiter in Nashville. Um, I still know him a little bit. I like he that had, your, your phrasing was 
Every once in a while, I have a friend named Tony. He's only your friend every once in a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, but um, he would mention, when are you going to start your blog? And I would, would kind of jest back, yeah, maybe I'll do it. And then eventually, I was just like, I had an idea that I wanted to write out. And I was like, maybe I should just write it out. And I, then I started going through those notes in my iPhone. And um, that's how I started doing that. But that, yeah, that's much more recent. Um, but yeah, I think the, I choose reading because that's where my ideas come from. And that's much more of a passion for me. The writing is much for, more for me to be able to um, articulate those ideas to myself and to make sure they're coherent. Um, it's not as much as I want to tell everybody something. It's more just so I can keep it coherent. But I do think that making it public helps with a little bit of feedback to whether or not I can communicate it clearly or if I'm just plain wrong. Oh yeah. Okay. No, that's a good point. Have you, I get, have you considered maybe doing some script writing because then you get your writing and then you get the other side of, from acting, maybe you'd want to get more into yeah. to the entertainment industry if you're going to write some scripts. So. Um, yeah. I actually, a, I started that once with a, a oh, really? show in LA. What was yeah. the, what was the story? Um, we were looking at doing something where, what would, what is, is it the shroud of Turin that they say is the thing that was on laid on Christ when he was put in the tomb? Yeah. On, to, okay. on today on Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good so timing. I think they have that. Oh, they think they have that. And the idea was what would happen if we found a way to extract some genetic material from that and clone Christ? And clone him? Right. And yeah. it was from a, it wasn't from a comedic viewpoint. It was from um, this is and there's a lot of biblical stories that are like that, especially like in Enoch, in the book of Enoch and the revelations to where the idea is um, the man's sense of desire reaching up for what he can do without thinking of what he should be doing brings upon the end of the world. So know. if they are actually doing that. Who is this that shows up? Is it actually Christ or is it the actual Antichrist? Because you reach for Christ using your desire for power instead of waiting for him to come in the natural way. Huh. Wow, that's interesting. But you never I, finished it? No, uh, we had a falling out and uh, um, it didn't. And, and, you should have taken your half of the script. Well, you know, I don't even remember how much we did. We took a lot of notes and stuff, but. I, I think it's a, a good idea, but I don't know that uh, most of the stuff that I read and think about is very nonfiction. Um, so I don't know that I would be good at doing fiction. Oh, hmm. I, I think it's a challenge that you could take upon yourself, though. You like challenges. Be, well, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we'll, we'll write a script together. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. I just talked we'll, to we'll talk about someone cloning Christ. Uh, musician Cecil Charles last week and we talked about I still want to do a, a musical about puns with him so I've got that on <laughs> you and I can write some sort of, if you don't want to use that topic we can have a new we can do some sort of script about gardening or navy or uh balut uh we were incorporate all of those into one script I bet I bet we can force it um when you're you're note taking though that's something I so I started in high school, I did this quote book. So it was when people just said funny things, I would start writing it down. And, but, and I still, I have like 
three or four notebooks full that like, I, I continued through college. And I think I even did it in Chicago for a bit. But it, I think once once you were like always doing with like funny people, so there were bits and stuff all the time, I think it kind of became like I, I stopped writing them down. And I and I would also take them in my, my phone, too, because I'd write down notes. And but my problem with that was I'd never write enough context too. So sometimes I'd say like a couple lines and like, I don't yeah. even remember what, what this means. <laughs> like, why was this funny? Yeah. But, uh, and I just, I want to get back into it. I still have them on my bookshelf too, um, to just like print them out. But, uh, it's nice. I guess it was my only way of like keeping a journal. Cause I'm too lazy. Like, anytime I've started any sort of diaries or journals, I would, I'd be really into it. I'd write like, you know, every day. And then slowly you can see like, Oh, I'm just like, here's, here's a couple pages. And then like, here's a paragraph here, are just some like key points that happen. And then I just give up. Um, but I, I, I like for writing. I like the, sometimes you like the commitment of like, you're trying to like, keep, keep active and all that, which I have not done. So I really like the idea of like, Hey, I have uh, I need to commit to Thomas and writing a script now. Cause that'll, That'll make oh, me write some stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that would be fun. All everything I do though ends up being making it more silly or like, you know, I go in the comedic direction. So like uh, anytime I hear even just like plots of something, like, oh, what can I do that would make that into like a comedy though? And um, so it's hard for me to take it anything seriously. Cause that happened in in high school, we also, my friend and I volunteered to do, we had, they were going to do like this historical tour of a cemetery, a local cemetery that had like some semi-famous people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is really boring to me. Like, I'm not interested in history. I don't know how, like, I can't do that. But once I was able to like say like, hey, can we make the, like we were doing sketches. Like, so we'd take a tour around the cemetery. We'd do sketches of, of these people. Um, we did it with our drama club. I like, but once I can make it like, this is going to be like funny stuff. Like it was like, stuff that technically happened but you know like we exaggerated it to make it funny i'm like okay now i can get behind this so instead of just a regular tour guide we have like we had two people so one person would give the actual information the other person would like make a lot of jokes and stuff and say a lot of dumb things and like i'm gonna play that one i don't have to memorize real information and i can just say stupid stuff so that was like the only way that i could like get behind doing that you know i mean i think with any story though there's uh, probably some great utility in in even if it doesn't end up, all of that end up in the story, there's probably some great purpose in having that jest about it. It probably would make the story itself better, even if it's supposed to be somewhat serious or factual as well, too. Well, and that's probably the biggest thing, like in any story where you can't have something serious all the time, like you need to kind of have something to, to, to lighten the mood a little bit just to, because if you're like, if you're emotionally invested in like, and you're always feeling down about like whatever the serious topic is, they're like, that's just really hard on a person psychologically. So you need to kind of have like just a moment, like in any dramas and stuff that you see on TV, I think the better ones, like you just have like, here's this, this joke that they threw in, but like, this isn't a, you know, a show about serial killers and on like I'm watching Criminal Minds, but you have like the characters have some banter that you're like, oh, here's just a fun part. But then like now let's get back into all the murders and gore and all that. But um, so that I think reminds me of uh, Gulag actually. I, I don't uh, know. Have you been reading it? No. Ask the intern. He might. You know, he's uh, working on it. I, <laughs> I yeah. downloaded the audio book because <laughs> I was like. I, yeah, I have so much reading on my plate right now. I downloaded the yeah. audiobook. So 
Yeah, uh, I that's the direction that. I'm going. Yeah. But it was, you know, one of the, it reminds me, one of the things I enjoyed about it is the humor behind it. And it's, it's weird to me. Mm. Well, I guess, well, you know, I think this applies here to what you were saying, because we're looking at people being imprisoned and tortured, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he has a weird way of still bringing humor into it. One of the lines I remember was he said that the Russians didn't have gas chambers like the Nazis did because they couldn't afford them because of the communist pro problems with communism. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And he does a lot of that stuff throughout. So it And was, that makes it me funny. work. Like, now I really want to read it. Uh, so I need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that anyone who's out there who hasn't started it, it's not as daunting a task as I would think uh, a historical book would normally be. It's much more... Um, literary than it is just mm. people who got uh, jailed and tortured yeah. okay yeah yeah and i think especially when you can add in that the personalization and then and the kind of making some fun in it too though like that just always draws me in more um but i have too many books that i like get and then not finish like i start and not read i just got well i, I told carter that uh it was the other day that i was like i think today is like my my second uh, two-year anniversary of when i started watching on safe space when i just like joined in and, and watched from the very episode one all the way through 420 episodes at the time um, cause like I'm a weird completionist about, <laughs> about watching shows. But, uh, so then I think, uh, I think Keith, the hack guy was saying that he thought the two year anniversary was a, the paper anniversary. So Carter asked if I wanted a book and I said, I want, um, a book called S by JJ Abrams, because I think that one is just the way, and I started reading it and it's just, it's, it has like the, it's a fake like a real book, but then there's also no, like two people are reading this book and they write notes in it like on the on the sides of it and then i think there's some sort of mystery i think there's i think there's like different layers to it and it was just such a neat concept to me that um wow. which is also the book that i never finished too that alex has uh, alex maselli has mentioned uh uh what's a house of leaves um, yeah so that seems really interesting like i think i'm gonna probably end up reading that one. Yeah, like I need to start with because it was a couple years ago and then I haven't, I lost the book is somewhere, but I, um, so I, I really like, I think I like interactiveness in, in different things. So like when in a book where you're like, oh, what kind of interactivity can I have on here when you don't expect it? Like I'm not just sitting and reading straight through, like there's more to this. So I like that in like in TV shows and games and, and all that. It reminds me that sometimes when I buy new books, well, books that are new to me, if I don't order them from like Amazon or something, sometimes I'll get them and they came from a library or somebody's personal collection. And I'll it'll have a couple notes in there or some highlights. And it does always make me think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why this person highlighted this. What were they thinking? Mm. Um, there was a bookmark in one of the recent books that I just finished. And it was a bookmark that was a newspaper clipping of some archaeological find um, that had to do with the subject matter of the book. And I, I, don't, I don't know if he used it as a bookmark or just had left it in there, but it was interactive in that sense because you remember that there was somebody else reading that book, handling it, thinking about it, and interacting with it. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's like a, a cool concept for, but I also think for me, I hate 
I want to be a person who takes notes in books and I want to, you know, like, oh, that I can write these down and all that. But I, I hate, I hate when anyone like dog ears pages. I hate like anything like that. Like I, I, <laughs> and I know everyone does it, but it like, it hurts me. <laughs> well, check this out. I don't know if you can see that. But I know, I highlight it. Yeah. yeah. And right. I, know, I think a lot of people who read it, like, and you want to understand it, like I get it. Like, and I want to be someone like that, but then I don't like, I'm like defacing this and I don't want to. So even the book that I'm the, with the S book right now too, where it mm -hmm. has all the like the intentional writing in it that's uh, i was just thinking like this girl finds it and she writes in pen on this person's book like hey i found this blah blah and I, my first thought was why would you write a note in like on the page of someone else's book like how rude is that mm -hmm. i would be so mad if someone just a random person like put a piece of paper in it i i used to be like you and not like uh to like i wanted to keep my books pristine yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas introduced me to this other book club. Oh, it was which, that book club I that did. you're cheating on our book club mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And uh, the first book you read in that book club is a book called How to Read a Book. And oh, it does it have it? completely transformed my uh, my perspective on that. And now I do what Thomas does. I dog does it... ear. I always have a pencil with me. I'm underlining yeah. shit. I'm dog earing shit. Like it's totally different than. Does I it say completely changed in the right. book of like it just helps you take in the information more when you're like writing the notes and making? Is that the idea? Uh, it's a little bit more deeper than that. It's about interacting with the author and really like reading mm. for understanding and not yeah, reading. Yeah. Not just to say that you've checked a box and read the book, but to really deeply mm -hmm. engage with the material yeah. and understand. And I, um, I agree with that. I like, know I, yeah. I definitely, like I said, I want to be a person, but it's, I think it's my OCD that really, like, it I just, I can't. what you're reading too. Huh? I said, it depends yeah. on what you're reading. I mean, if, oh, I'm, yeah. if I'm reading a novel, that's a story about whatever, I probably would be less likely to mm. highlight. Cause when I, when I highlight or take notes, I'm thinking I need to remember this later this in case I need to reference it. So maybe it's a mystery book or something, but. Yeah, suspects. exactly. But I mean, like this book, it's the language of creation. And there's all mm. these diagrams and stories about how those things are, how those, how, how all those concepts are created, where they came from. So if I don't do that, then I'm going to have trouble remembering some of that stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember I thought about this. And even that, I mean, even that, you know, I have to augment that where I, after I read the book, and I, I struggle between saying, okay, I'm going to read the book and I want to get through it and I highlight it. But when I highlight something, I'm thinking, I want to remember why I highlighted it and take a note. But what often ends up happening is I start and stop reading so often to, to start mm. writing a note, which sparks a thought, which sparks another idea that it's hard for me to get five, six pages in some of these books without stopping constantly. So I'll get up early in the morning. I might get through three pages as I do that. So I'm never sure if I want to take the note immediately or read the book, highlight everything, and then come back and take some notes. But if I do that, that means I have to put off reading that other really fun and cool, exciting book that's sitting over there. Yeah, more time consuming. Yeah. No, no wonder you would choose reading over writing when you're when your reading is so in depth too. Um, no, okay. So that well, back to the game. You get three point three points for for that final answer there too. Uh, 
Ah, I just, I, again, I really want to be someone who makes notes and things, but I, I couldn't even do that with like notebooks. And I hated tearing papers out of notebooks in high school too. I was just like, no, here's my, my loose leaf paper that I will do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then everything in my notebook stays in it. But I've had like, there'd be people who are like, oh, I'm just going to rip this out of your notebook. And they're like, well, there was, it said it was 70 pages. Now there are only 69 pages in this because you ripped one out. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think part of it, I shifted my mind to, this book now has, this book is personalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it's yours. Uh, and I, yeah. I can really appreciate it from afar, I think. <laughs> and if my, my kids ever read any of these books that I really hope they read one day, they'll see what I was doing in there and wonder. Yeah, that's, that's nice. As well, too. I like I like that idea a lot too. That like yeah, if you are so if you're actually making all these notes and someone else ends up reading your book and so they get to know like it's kind of a way of, of someone remembering you where you're like you're you're out there somewhere and they get things. So I I really like that like in a romanticized way. Mm-hmm. Um, Zatos is sixty nine. Interesting number to land on. Yes. <laughs> I I was uh, at the grocery store the other day. And my total, I was at, you know, I wasn't at the self checkout. There was actually somebody checking me out, and she she looked over and says sixty nine, sixty nine. I hold my hold myself like, hmm. so I don't want to be that creepy guy. Like, oh, just like oh, raising your eyebrows, Heather. Lady, like, you know, lady. You know, wink at her a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> She's probably going, that guy was a dud. He didn't even laugh. <laughs> yeah, <know>. right. <laughs> he probably, probably drives a minivan. Skydive. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> probably drives a minivan. That is right. <laughs> also, I saw you guys talking about my keytar in chat. It is not just for show. Um, it's just for it show. Does, Play it, it then. You have to prove it. I, well, maybe at the end, maybe that can be Thomas. If you All win right. today's episode, you you get uh, one. We give out um, tokens. We get minority tokens, so like you get to cash those in, and you can get a some sort of prize. I don't know what the prize is, so you can you get into Harvard. Figure, you get into Harvard, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, very nice. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah. uh, well, that game just kind of spawned a lot more conversation. So we'll go into another game here too. Uh, we'll do, I think we'll do the libs of TikTok one. Um, so the, you know, actually, it just occurred to me that you, when I asked you earlier, we went through like all your different names and stuff, but I, I don't think you actually answered which one you prefer, like what you ultimately no. prefer to be called. <laughs> do, do you, what do you want me to call you? Thomas, Tommy, Tom, 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 Tommy boy. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, I don't think I have a preference. Um, okay. Different people use different things with whatever, for whatever reason. Like most of my family, like my brother calls me Tom. Most of my family calls me Tommy. Um, everyone outside of that. <laughs> no <laughs> preference. Yes, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> Um, so whatever, whatever feels right to you. I, okay. I'm not particular with it. All right. Yeah. I know t- like Thomas seems so formal, but like, yeah, it, it has this, uh, prestige to it that, <laughs> um, mm. But I'm just used to that now too. For me, I I never like I hate being called Bev. Actually, um, I was going to ask there, <laughs> <laughs> Sir Thomas Saint. Yeah, I actually, can I just call you by your full name all the time? You were always That's Thomas right. Saint Thomas. Um, TST. 
but uh so i i yeah i don't like when people give me nicknames without uh, or at least like just assuming but like as soon as i introduce myself as uh beverly and then they call me bev i'm like i didn't say it. i never said that and then mm. and i just met you so they probably have a friend named beverly who uses bev yeah, why? Why are you still friends with someone who does that? It's a good well, litmus test, though, because I've seen you tell people that you don't want to be called Bev and have them pretend to care about you and then still use Bev consistently. <laughs> yeah. It's like, true. oh, uh, I see that you're a fake. And I, then, thank you. I, I <laughs> that, That's good. But then and I don't always remember who I've told you because there are some people who I just don't bother. Like it, does, it, it was like too late. They've already been calling me that. And I'm like, I can't I can't say anything now. So I just <laughs> let it go. And I, and I, I live that lie. But uh, <laughs> but uh, a little undercurrent of hate is bubbling. Right. Right. Yeah. It's always seething. But yeah. then or if I see it in chat, like so sometimes like, OK, like I just ignore it. Uh, but it's it's because my one friend, the same one who I wrote like the historical tour, like she you know, she's my best friend still um, growing up. But she she told me in like eighth grade that Bev reminded her of an old secretary lady with giant orange or pink beehive hair. So right. I've never been able to mm -hmm. not picture that anymore. And Beverly's really still an old lady. Yes, she talks like that. <laughs> she's got a <laughs> hole in her neck. And <laughs> Uh, she smokes through the hole in her neck. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's got, yeah, yeah. I remember like watching her video. Right, honey. <laughs> she <laughs> says honey all the time. Honey. Why don't you just put your hair in a beehive and get it over with? Oh, you have I have to hair. dye it though. I'd do it orange or pink. Mm. And oh, and I don't have to bleach it to dye it too, probably. So that yeah, seems like so. And even doing a beehive, my hair is so long. This just seems like a lot of work. I just can I just change my name instead? I'll get it legally changed and not have to worry about this anymore. That sounds like less. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so Sir Thomas St. Thomas. We I, I do this. Uh, I show like TikTok video and and I'll ask a question to you. Like it's been, what color is this person's hair? How many facial piercing? Watch TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I know. I do not use TikTok. It's the only time I, I only go through the Twitter libs of TikTok and when they show these videos. So what I do is I play the audio and then you have to listen and then you have to guess some sort of attribute of, of this person. And I don't even remember what I chose. I think it's color. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this one is what color is this person's hair? Um, so it's a quick clip. You're just going to listen to it okay. and then you're going to tell me what color is the hair? So I'll give you a few seconds to like prepare and get ready. Okay, you good? I'm gonna visualize. Right, yeah. So think about her voice. Okay, here we go. The most controversial way I teach my kids consent is that they all choose their own gender identity because it's every person's right to be who they are. It's that simple. There you have it. Mm. So green, heard her. green highlights for sure. Green highlights. I'm getting yes. I'm I'm getting a sense of <laughs> an, an essence of green. The hint of green. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've got green. Oh. Green highlights. Is that it? Is it like anything else? Is that your final answer? It's for the, that. We're just talking hair, right? Just hair. Just hair. Oh, I just didn't know yeah. like if there was anything else you wanted to describe. She's definitely a white lady for sure. White lady. Green highlights. Okay. Are we ready to find out? Yeah. Uh, I think I just uploaded on here. I got 
uh, I got nervous. I was thinking how I'm like, well, because Ellipse of TikTok has been getting like suspended and censored and things. So when I take the video, I've been playing it on the Twitter page. But then yesterday I was like, what if they end up taking it down? So I need to just upload the video. Right, too. So right. Instead, I just have it uploaded to StreamYard. OK, well, let's find out if Tommy St. Tommy Thomas <laughs> is right. Here we go. The most controversial way I teach my kids consent is that they all choose their own gender identity because it's every person's right to be who they are. It's that simple. There is you it, have it. You're half, you're half right. Yeah, I'm half. That's another thing I'm half about. Pastelli pink, <laughs> pastelli green. I could have even done the facial piercing things too. She had a bunch like on her ears. Yeah. Uh, she had a little something right here. She had yeah. it also. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what was going on with her neck, but it looks oh, like I did, oh, what was was it a, a butterfly tattoo? thing? Okay, yeah, she's sitting in a car for some reason. I don't know why they always do videos just sitting in their car. Like, do they not have any other spaces? I just assume that anyone who records in their car lives there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So I'll give you half points because you got the green. Like she did oh, have cool. green on there. Um, so I will say I don't know. She looked like a now and later, like the. Wait, can we see her again? I want to see her yes. again. Yes. Okay. Hang on. The most controversial way I teach my kids consent is that they all choose their own gender identity because it's every person's right to be who they are. It's that simple. Does she have? Are those the giant? Who yeah, like, they, like the gauges. You know, where the gauges, like so, it's it's inside her earlobe. And the weirdest thing is it looked like she had gauges, but she had one of those attached earlobes. Oh, yeah. do they? I think yeah. they have attached ones, too. Hang yeah, on. no, mine are pretty floppy. I got the floppy ones, so I could do mm -hmm. the gauge. That, that means detached? Okay. I never, I don't look at people's ears that much um, to pay attention to. But if we need to look at her frozen, it is still. Someone says she's a he, by the way. I, I can't tell if really? he's kidding. Or if she really That's why that's why on the on the thing I said I only say this human or this person because <laughs> I can't make assumptions. So uh I mean look at the makeup. This person well, has like super uh, has fake lashes on and lipstick. Like C PTSD Whisperer is the I don't know, let's look it up. Does TikTok uh, let you go find people? I don't I don't understand how TikTok works. I do not go to that site. Yeah, I see the TikToks like on other places. Oh, Boston Josh is the one saying it. I don't, I don't know if we should trust him saying that. It, I know, I know. That's why I have to verify. <laughs> but uh, okay, so we got butterfly neck tattoo, um, and I'm gonna say the the coolest neck tattoo that I've ever seen was when someone in college had. <laughs> she, I'm sorry, a, she's a therapist, of course. Of, of course, course, she is she's a therapist. <laughs> and it is a she though. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I don't see pronouns, which is, oh, okay. you know, Wow, that's unwoke of her. Yeah. Do not have pronouns in her bio. A parent uh, of eight, though. A parent of eight. A parent? Yeah. As, in, as in she... Parent? Like, yes. Children? She doesn't say mom, so I don't know. Yeah, and that might include, like, all the animals in her house. It's some weird thing. You know, I, I take care of them. I'm a, I'm a, oh, oh, I see. I hate, yeah. Uh, now CPSD is the isn't that the one that's not really PTSD? It's like it's complex PTSD and what they mean. Uh, is, yeah. Not really uh actually PTSD. I don't know. 
Here, I'm going to look it up. The difference is that PTSD usually occurs after a single traumatic event, while CPTSD is associated oh, with repeated you, trauma. You just keep right. getting triggered by everything. Oh, I kind see. Kind of sounds right. Or at least yeah. it sounds like it makes sense. <laughs> She's going to give me PTSD or CPTSD. because I know, yeah. Watching, I'm going to keep thinking her. about oh. all that. I'll say that her hair reminds me of, so in Super Mario World, once you go through the star world, all the colors of the game change and, and the, there is like a green and pink pastel color that the that the each level changes to. So that's what she reminds me of, some sort of candy. Um, yeah. But any, oh, neck tattoo. It was a, of a Frankenstein's monster. Someone had a Frankenstein's monster on his on his neck and yeah. then had like the bolt or something. And I thought that was, that was like the coolest neck tattoo that I ever had. And he appreciated that I called it the monster and not just Frankenstein. So, because Frankenstein is the, is the right, yeah, right. and that always bothers me. Any, any anytime someone on TV or anything says it. Um, mm -hmm. okay, Thomas, you got half points for that. I'll say I don't know, twenty points. We'll give you. Um, <laughs> I hope you're keeping track of these because I'm certainly not. And then your points roll over into like that's how many minority tokens you get, and then they are non-transferable. You can only use them when you when you're on here, but then you can. I think I've got like five points. <laughs> Four plus a pair of halves. Oh, I gave you. It was five for like the. the oh, five! Five points per game. I gave you five for the. No, it was three for Would You Rather. You got five for your your two truths and a lie, and then you get half. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm saying you're getting half of forty, so you're getting twenty points now for this game. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Another, it so you got twenty-eight, I think. Mm -hmm. Unless we did a different game. I can't remember. So that's why you need to keep track of these because I'm okay, okay. not going to. got it. I'm going to forget this immediately now. Yes, Rock Lexicon. This is like, who's done is it anyway? The points don't matter. They do matter. I'm just, the points are, the number of points are arbitrary, but the points certainly matter here. All points matter. <laughs> all right. points matter. Hashtag all points matter. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. So you got that. Do game. Can I want to talk to you more about uh, Navy before we wrap up here? Mm -hmm. um, I was just my dad was in the Coast Guard, and so I and I was the, I know the Coast Guard is always like the one outside of like the military. They they take it less yeah. seriously, but I always call him like police on water because like he talk about like, yeah. he save people's lives. He would he would arrest pirates and things though. Like like they they do a lot, and and they're active during like non war time too and all mm -hmm. that. So. Uh, so I think it gets a lot of flack, but um, my grandfather was also in the Navy though. So I got some, some uh, relation there. Uh, what, what drew you into, to joining the Navy? And it's like specifically that branch of the military and then just the military at all. Um, well, I wanted to, uh, I, I, I caught that bug after 9-11 where there's a lot of people who were joining, um, but I didn't join until 2008. Um, during 9-11, I so was 34. Wait, I'm trying to think of age. You were yeah, born in 1974, 34. Okay, yes. I went to boot camp Math. at 34 years old. Wow. But I'd always wanted to join, um, but I was married during most of that time uh, after 9-11. After I was divorced, I stopped running out of excuses. I was a single guy who um, I was working as a personal trainer. I was running my own business, and it was, during the, it was just preceding the downturn um, for the economy. And a huge amount of my clients were in real estate. 
So I got an early picture of what was going to happen to the rest of the nation as those people who were making a lot of money in real estate started to have to cut back on services, including things like personal training. Um, so, right. I, and one of the reasons I stayed in personal training um, was because I was doing so well and it was so easy because there's there's so many people that were making so much money that people, you know, were, were spending so much. So going to a personal trainer was just something that everybody did. So I was working um, at least 30 to 35 hours a week um, collecting cash. So I, I, it was fun and I, I stayed with it. So as it, as it started to recede, I wasn't married. The, I didn't want to personal train forever because I was only there because I was enjoying the money. I, I wasn't, I didn't love the, love doing it. Um, and one of the guys at the small gym where I was working was in the Navy and we started talking about it. And I remember him talking to me and in, in so many words and very politely, but firmly, he essentially let me know that I have no reason not to do it now. And if you don't do it now, then you're never going to do it. And so all the, all the reasons behind why kind of came together at that point. And I just did it. Um, so December of 2018, I went to Great Lakes Navy Boot Camp. Wow. And how challenging was it to go through, especially, I mean, I imagine you were in pretty physical, physically good shape though, right? But um, but still like boot camp. Right. How long was it? Was it, a, was it a couple of weeks or longer than that? Um, Navy boot camp, I think is... It's weird to me that I can't remember specifically. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's eight weeks. Eight? Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, it wasn't physically challenging. Um, that, and I, I, one of the things that I wanted to do that is I wanted a physical challenge as well. Um, I thought that was going to be part of the fun. But it's more that you are so busy constantly doing things and, and you have so little freedom that it's not fun. And Navy boot camp is almost all indoors. And it was Great Lakes, Chicago in the winter. So even as we would go outside just to go from one building to another, it was in um, gloves and a jacket and an overcoat and boots and walking through ice. So it wasn't like you're, it wasn't like Marine Corps boot camp where you're doing obstacle courses and a lot of physicality yeah. like that. Um, yeah, but most of the challenge was just, staying awake right wow huh Jeez. ah well and then and you were saying too just as cold as it is there uh you chose la for weather and stuff too that you are you not how do you feel about pennsylvania winters i guess it's not that big of a deal and i tend to adapt to things i mean i put on a jacket and move on with life you know, it's not so cold that, um, you know, it's not like I'm in the gulag where I'm not allowed to warm up, you know, when I'm not going from my house to the car or, you know, vice versa. Um, but, you know, you, you, you learn how to dress correctly. And if you dress correctly, I mean, I've gone hiking in the snow when it's 25, 30 degrees mm -hmm. and start taking layers off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just get yep. too I think that's what I hate though, too. It's just that like, I can't get, find a comfortable, like I'm at like how many clothes I need to wear. And then if I'm going to be active, so then you're just trying to like figure out like I take this off or put this on or I'm cold. I, 
I almost, when I was debating moving from Pennsylvania and I was going to go to Chicago, I was like Chicago or Florida, because then I don't have to deal with winter right. anymore. And because uh, I was so tired and remember like my car not being locked, but it was just frozen. Like I couldn't open my car door after work because it was frozen. And I was like just trying to figure out like, oh, I'm stuck here now at night at work alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chicago though got work, like Chicago's weather is summer and winter. Like there's not really, like I love spring and fall. They're my favorites, but Chicago is just really like one extreme to the other. And then, so we've had like, you know, like negative 10, negative 20, like the cold, it gets really bad. Uh, Yeah, the wind, I mean, it's windy here too though, (laughs) but right now, but- uh, Well, Great Lakes, the boot camp is right outside of Chicago. Right, yeah, yeah. So I used to take the little train from boot, after after boot camp was over, um, we I stayed there for several more months to for the medical training, mm-hmm. and so we had more freedom. And I would go to Chicago on the weekends sometimes and take the little tram. And I remember standing on the edge of one of the Great Lakes, whichever one is there near the city center, and feeling that wind come off that lake. And that's one of the coldest things I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, I bet. Uh, by the way, my dad was a Coast Guard liaison at Great Lakes back when he, I, I think, I don't remember if this is the same, maybe it was in California. I just remember him talking about like he, he's, he's had to work at, at, between the Coast Guard and Navy, like they took classes or something with the Navy and he had to like take charge. But I know like he was in the lia- liaison at Great Lakes as well. So I don't remember what years his was back in like the eighties or something though. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fun. Oh, I also wanted to say in chat too, you said goodbye to Mr. Sparkle Gleam, but that was unnecessary in turn though, because I try to ignore him. He's the ginger. The, he has no Oh, soul. he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. So say farewell to I'll him. I'll stop interacting with him. The best thing to do with ginger is just, You just have to you know, ignore, ignore him. him. Yeah, because if you you're not going to... something with no soul, so you right. can just do what you need to do. They latch on and it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's safer to yeah. not um well I, I there's so much more to that i want to talk to you about generally but and navy wise but since we are getting close to four o'clock now i think i can wrap up here uh with another game maybe two games let me see yeah you know what we're gonna do two games because i have them here so for for uh double the points i'll say I've got um, this round of Cards Against Humanity, if you've heard of this game. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm just going to read you, you, get your black card, which has the has the sentence that you're going to need to fill in. And then I've got some random options here for you to choose. So you got to choose the right answer for yourself. So I'm going to read this. Uh, okay. It says, your, your sentence is, the class field trip was completely ruined by blank. So your options are the class field trip was completely ruined by homeless people. The class field trip was completely ruined by the devil himself. The class field trip was completely ruined by Nicolas Cage. The class field trip was completely ruined by getting married, having a few kids, buying some stuff, retiring to Florida, and dying. (laughs) So... You got homeless people, the devil himself, Nicolas Cage, and getting married, having a few kids, buying some stuff, retiring to Florida, and dying. I think Nicolas Cage would make a great script. <laughs> but um, I would lean more towards homeless people just because that seems politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. That means you double your points, Sir Thomas St. Thomas. All right. Where are we at? We're at 28. 56. 56 points. 56 mm. points. Okay. For and all thanks to homeless people. <laughs> um, all the winnings from this uh, game will go towards the homeless. I, should that be what our script is about, though, too? Is writing a movie about a class field trip being ruined by Nicolas Cage? But he's homeless. But he's a homeless Nicolas Cage. So he's just, yeah. people finally determined whether he was a good or bad actor and they chose bad actor. And so now mm -hmm. he just like loses everything and becomes homeless. Right. Um, isn't there, I think there's a movie coming out now that he is playing himself in, but he's just Nicolas Cage and having to do some sort of action movie. I think it's him. Maybe it's some other oh, actor. Yeah. But I think I just saw an ad for it. So I think we're, we're we can jump on the, on the train well, here. The next, um, Top Gun's coming out soon, so I I haven't been paying attention to anything but that. So oh okay, I should be watching that. Too. I've never seen I've seen it. So how much. will they ruin it? Do you know? Do you have any previews about how they'll ruin Top Gun? I really don't care. I'm gonna show up in a flight suit and have a good time. <laughs> Fair enough. Love it. Um. Okay. Well, here we have this one last game. It's called Dirty Minds. Um, so what you have to do is get your mind out of the gutter. The, I'm going to give you three hints and then you guess what the word is that I'm describing, but it's something that's going to, the hints sound bad, but the um, word is not. Okay. okay. And I'm choosing this one. It's, they aren't the greatest hints. So we'll see, we'll see whether or not, I won't blame you if you don't get it, but you can take a guess after each hint. I'll give you three points. If you get it on the first one, two points, if you get it on the second and one point, if you get it on the third. Hint number one, people eat me. Hot dog. Good guess. That is not what we were looking for. So we'll move on to hint number two. <laughs> I'm best when I'm hot and juicy. hamburger <laughs> you're so close you're like in the right realm of foods here but that's still not what we're looking for uh hint number three they love my sausage so keep thinking along the same lines of of these greasy foods you've got so greasy uh, your best when you're hot and juicy uh they love so like what do you put sausage on Sausage on. Maybe not sausage. There are other meats and vegetables that you might want to put on this. Uh, it comes with cheese. Chili dog? I don't know. No, you're not in the hot. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas has never heard of or eaten this food product at all. It actually, you know what's weird? Is the first sauce. No, the first hint kind of sucks because no one what uses saying. that language what? to describe this item. That doesn't make any sense. What the people? No one ever said like, "Oh, I, I hot and juicy." Hot and juicy. I'd say. The well, second one, I get. Yeah. No, I've heard that. I, I think I've heard that. Mac what, and cheese. What would be? Uh, who says that for mac and cheese? Uh, no one says good... they want a hot and juicy this thing. Oh, juicy. <laughs> I want. Uh, well, it needs to be delivered in thirty minutes or less. Oh, pizza. 
Yeah, hun, that's what I was saying. The hints aren't that right. great. I'm trying to think of I oh I should have said no. I, I arrive in 30 minutes or, or I come in 30 minutes or less yeah. should have been the hint. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. would have been a way better hint. Yeah. See, I can so wait. What were the three, people eat me? Okay, people fine. Me. I'm best when I'm hot and juicy. They love my no. sausage. That's not that even doesn't make sense people, either. It's not your sausage. Like when they're on it. I know that's I'm what I'm very saying. disappointed in the writers. We can for this do one. that's sorry. what I thought. I could write so we've got 30 minutes or less. Uh, or I come in 30 minutes or less. Um, we can do a different <laughs> sorry, one too. Johnny Boy Quick Draw says, Excuse me, may I have my pizza extra juicy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear I hear that I all the time, hot, right? I had pizza <laughs> yeah. yesterday and I would never have said, Oh, you know what? That oh is it how's the pizza? Oh great, it's hot and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is. I feel like this is written by like Chinese people who've never been to the U.S. and like aren't really sure about English, and they're like, "Oh yeah, they're like hot and juicy." Is what they. All right. How about this one? Since it's kind of really, we've talked about this kind of thing beforehand, I'll just give you all three hints. We won't even, but maybe this one's better. Oops. Um, I get fingered a lot. People stick things in me. And I sometimes get laid on my spine. So it is a uh, topic. Wings. What? Chicken wings. This, this one doesn't have to be a food. I get fingered a lot. People stick things in me. I sometimes get laid on my spine. And this is like, we, oh, we talked about this. Yeah, there you go. I like yeah. chicken wings though. That's funny when you're speaking about food, greasy foods yeah, and all greasy that. Food that got backs. <laughs> wings don't. Okay, so I'll give you. Where are we at? Fifty-six. I'll just give you an even sixty for for doing those two. I mean, it's not your fault that some of these. I like how bad some of these are too, because you, when you just like hear them, like, wait, why? Why would that be? <laughs> <laughs> it's even better than a good one. Yeah. Um, so, so you're rounded out with 60 points. Congratulations, Sir Thank Thomas you. St. Thomas. You have won today's episode. A Kardashian woman. <laughs> extra sausage and juice. Uh, um, Johnny Boy Quick Draw correctly says you should be giving him 69 points. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, quick, uh, Thomas, tell me something Thanks. that no one knows about you. I'll give you an extra nine points. With, with, or a talent that people don't, don't know about. Any anything that like people don't normally know about you. You know that thing you do. Why don't you talk about that? That do that thing you do. <laughs> <laughs> Something that people don't know about me. I mean, it doesn't have to be like the the deepest secret ever, but just that public that you don't you get to Once. talk about as much. <laughs> I spent the summer being molested. Oh, this went dark fast. <laughs> wow. oh. By a young man with Down syndrome every day for 30 days straight. <laughs> Can I just give you nine points to stop this story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lexicon that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that certainly right, did. We'll give you 69 points. <laughs> no, I just want to end the show. That's now. 70. Plus one. <laughs> How about 68 and I owe you one? <laughs> well, what do you want to do with all of these these points, all these minority tokens that you have? Um, well, if I ever get fired from my work, from my job, I'm going to use them to get rehired somewhere because nobody 
no, anybody who's hiring these days is going to love a, uh, a minority um, on their mm -hmm. team. So. Okay. So you want to just save these? These I'm going to go ahead. I'll add them to my, I'll add them to my LinkedIn. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just make sure you know <laughs> how many you got. Uh, this is going to be good. Some good cryptocurrency going on. That's um, right. How yeah, many Bitcoin are those worth? Ooh, probably like a million. I don't know. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, we need a, Bitcoin equity. That's what I'm going to use them for. Bitcoin equity. <laughs> None of your business wants, wants you to tell them something unusual about yourself though. Not, so is there anything, any unusual, can you do any, like any weird, I don't know. I still, I just keep doing this though. Like I can put my thumb behind my hand. Can you do any weird, are you double jointed? Are you? Oh, okay. Yeah. You can bend your thumb back really far. Okay. Is that, is that That's good? Weird, yeah. yeah. That was one of those things. I remember that term double jointed. We used to, we used to always get upset with that. I did biomechanics, oh, now? biomechanics as a, an undergrad. And there's no such, you know, we use, oh, you're double, double jointed. Double jointed. Like, yeah, you know, you're just flexible. There's no mm -hmm. such thing. My, my arms, joint. I don't know if you can see it, like they, I hyperextend, like mine I bend backward to. too. Mine, so. I mean, mine, mine used to go yeah. really extreme. Yeah, go far. For some reason, it, I mean, it's it used to be turn. awkward looking. I can, I can like bend, twist my hand <laughs> back pretty far. Um, so now I'm just, oh, and I don't think I can do it while standing up. I'd have to move it, but I can like bend, I can turn my legs backwards pretty far too. So that my feet are pointing in the opposite direction. Uh, yeah, I won't do it because everyone's going to get gross. Everyone's always grossed out. <laughs> um, Someday I'll show the world. Um, and I only, I, in, in an improv class, one of my friends there, he was the only person I've ever met who could also do it. And no one else I know has been as flexible. <laughs> But um, okay, well, thank you for showing us your weird thumbs and hyperextended <laughs> arms, Tommy Saint T. Tommy Saint T. That uh, I like that as a as a rapper name. You and you and the intern can figure out a rap album at some point. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's on our agenda. We we talk about it all the yeah. time. Yeah. William Brown says I'm actually a cartoon character. Yeah. We're gonna turn Aeschylus into rap. That's the. <laughs> I really. I what was I? I needed. I was supposed to do a rap. I forget who it was that I. I don't know I, if it's going to be told. Uh, hang on. I need to find this real quick before we go. Um, because I said that like, yeah, I need to write a rap song. Maybe you guys can help me with it. And it was about what was it about? Hang on. They're in my sticky notes that I have to keep opening up. Uh, uh everything's frozen. <laughs> I can't open it. You're an evil. I don't know what happened there. I don't know either. And I oh I can't get it. Like the the page like the sticky notes, the file is open, but it's just blank right now, so I can't even see. Oh, there it is. Uh and it won't go. Okay. Scrolling. Kurtosis. Kurtosis on like probability, Gaussian distributions. Uh so it was about like standard deviation and all that. So someone in chat, because I think Carter was talking about it one day. So then he was like, Oh, you should do a rap song on that. And I yeah. uh accepted the challenge. So we're going to get Carter to do a rap song about this at one point. On, on stats? On on the term, we need to use the word kurtosis in it. Okay. Um, and then, and use it. Uh, so mm -hmm. the whole song is going to be on stats. <laughs> I'll, help you, I'll help you spice it up with some hip hop flavor. Carter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'll, thanks. I'll, I'll read out the lyrics that, and I, I need someone to help like drop beats, do like the, the I can't, do, I can't beatbox. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. What rhymes with like leptocurtic? What rhymes with I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's gonna take a while. It's gonna be the nerdiest rap song ever. Well, that and I already have my D and D rap song, so oh, I'm just gonna add to that. 
But um, thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us today. Can you thank tell you. people where to find you? Yeah, um, I'm on the Unsafe Space Substack. Um, I put all most of my stuff there and on Medium as Thomas St. Thomas. I'm not hard to find, I don't think. Right, you're you on Twitter. Some stuff for St. 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 Thomas Aquinas. That was that was another funny thing. So I had a discussion with somebody online, and they tried to Google me previously before we talked, and um, they said they had trouble finding any information on me publicly because everything is um, St. Thomas Island and St. Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's a good strategy for your kids. Name them like Jane Smith. Um, yeah, no one will be able to find like you. Did, no one will find them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Tommy St. T. Um, I don't utilize Twitter too much. Um, maybe after Elon buys it, and I'll yeah, in with the party. Um, but most of the stuff I do is um, on on Safe Space, the Substack there, and Facebook as well too. Cool, awesome. So everyone, you can see him around here more often. Hopefully, he'll come back eventually because sure. um, I Why love talking to you. Uh, yeah, um, and there's so much more. And so you can see him on the book club on May yes, May first, May first, twelve p.m. Eastern. He will be hosting. A, if you love hearing him talk now, like I do, then he'll be running a Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yes. Um, so that'll be fun, and the abridged version. So unless everyone wants to read like right un unabridged, but uh, no, yeah, no abridges are great. <laughs> But all right, thank you again. Thank you, chat, for everyone who's watching. Uh, we appreciate it. I love you. Um, and happy Good Friday. Happy Easter to all the Easter worshipers. Um, and we worshipers of Easter, <laughs> whatever they're called. Um, and we'll see you guys on Monday. Oh, is that what they're called? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, <Beth. laughs>。Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space. Check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com/donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may corrupt previous psychological programming. If you encounter any of the following individuals, please administer government-issued neurotoxin immediately. I'm not sure what the neurotoxin will do because I am not a biologist. CRT is a complex legal theory that is needed to combat the epidemic of racist babies. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job.
thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. This is, you're supposed to insult me now, Thomas. Hey, um, Beverly just gave me a whole list of insults to say to the intern. Mm. Hey, four eyes. All right. Uh, nice shirt. You are an actor, right? Is that, I just want to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carter, you, you know your eyebrows look like an eagle's wings. You know that, right? They're not as well groomed as an eagle's wings. I'm starting to get old yeah. man eyebrows. They they go kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, well, this performance, if you want to call it that, on this last uh, video was more disappointing than, say, an unsalted pretzel. You know that. <laughs> it was. I think, uh, look, personally, I think Beverly's failing. And instead of firing me, uh, what do you think about a coup? Okay. I can take your spot. I mean, I can sit there and just look dumb and act silly for a couple hours. Yeah, so. that's easy. Yeah. All right, awesome. All right. <laughs> you know, if uh, Mr. Rogers was your neighbor. <laughs> You're going to go through them all, are you? Okay. <laughs> He'd move. <laughs> Is that what I'm supposed to do? I don't know. <laughs> he would, Mr. Rogers would move, indeed, if he were my neighbor. He's probably gun shy and uh he probably has like little yip dogs that would be on so, yeah. wow, what's was the last pretty, one so there's one more bad. insult i think right well i mean this insult kind of ties into whatever you just said in response to mr rogers you know mm. it's really absolutely impossible to underestimate you you know that right? thank you i thank you i 